Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. What if it was actually a lot easier to make disciples than we think? What if our brains were hardwired already by our maker, by God, to make disciples, but maybe we're going about it in a different way that's not as easy as God designed it to be? Today on the podcast, I have the privilege of interviewing Jessie Cruikshank. She's a neuroscientist. She's a mountaineer and adventure expert. She has studied the brain and studied disciple making, trained thousands of disciple makers around the world. And it's my great privilege to welcome her on the show. You're going to love this. There's a lot we can learn from what Jesse has to say, and it's super encouraging as well. So we'll be right back with that interview. Are you busy, but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Are frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls. And even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. Well, I am so privileged to be here with Jesse Cruikshank. I'm not sure I pronounced your name right, so you can correct me. I got it. Awesome. And um, I am Cynthia Anderson. This is the Dare to Multiply podcast. And we are so excited to get a chance to learn from you, Jesse. Um, Jesse's the author of a new book called Ordinary Discipleship, How God Wires Us for the Adventure of Transformation. And wonderful title. I am so into ordinary people being used of God. So I saw your title. I was like, that's a book I've got to read. So super excited to be here with you talking. And she is also, I loved in your foreword by Christine Kane, how she called you a pragmatic mystic. So <laughs> I'm curious what that means, but I, I kind of have an inkling like, yeah, this sounds like an interesting person who has a lot of things to share because I love pragmatists who are about getting it done. What does it actually look like in real life? And um, she's also an ordained minister, a Harvard-trained neuroscientist. So, wow, a smart lady here on our podcast today. A little intimidating, to be honest, but uh, super excited to talk to you. And um, also someone who is an expert in disciple-making and somebody who is into the outdoors. When I was reading your bio, Jesse, I thought, have you ever been hiking and trekking in the Himalayas where I lived for many years? I'd love to hear. Yeah, so unfortunately, no. I've been um, through South America and North America up into Alaska. And then I went to Antarctica in um, December this year. But my father has been to Himalaya a couple times, um, once from the north and once from the south side. And um, he's been um, over Asia and just awesome. in, in mountaineering there. So I've seen pictures and I've uh, been in, I've inherited a love of mountain culture from all over the world. Oh, that's awesome. I've only well, been to limited places. You'll have so, to put it, put it on your bucket list, you know, and uh, come to Nepal sometime. I know we have lots of Nepalis who would love to connect with you about discipleship and take you trekking up there into some of these places that have 
never heard the gospel before. So super fun. Anyhow, let's dive in. Jesse, tell us about yourself. I've given you an introduction, but tell us how did you come to know the Lord? How did you get involved in discipleship and, and even disciple multiplication? Yeah, it, you know, I, um, my, in my family, we gave, uh, my brother, my sister and I, we all gave our lives to the Lord when we were small children. And that was because we have a very difficult upbringing. We faced some very um, intense challenges and because my mother was actually in the occult before she was a Christian. Mm -hmm. And so we grew up with spiritual dynamics happening in our home that maybe some of your listeners would be a little more familiar to than most people in the United States. So Fortunately, she became a Christian before we were born, but we were still, there was an awareness. Things happened, right? Things happened mm, that sure. most people wouldn't believe. And my mom would teach us that all we needed was Jesus, that, that if mm. we just said the name of Jesus, we had extra angels as children to protect us. And so we each gave our lives to the Lord as small children. Um, and that was pretty amazing. So what I love about that is that Jesus was always the center of our home, even in all mm. of the chaos. So I went, um, I got into disciple making when I became a mountain guide at that age. Well, I started guiding when I was 15 wow. and then guiding because I was raised in it, right? Mountain guiding. Um, and I started to help with a school when I was 22. So I helped build an outdoor ministry, a guiding school at the age of 22. And I started um, learning about brain science. And it's it was because I wanted to teach somebody something once and have them remember with a high degree of accuracy, like how to tie into the rope, how to self-arrest with the ice axe, those things that sure. would save your life. Right. But what that became very quickly was an interest in how to have one conversation that helps change somebody's eternity because mm -hmm. that was actually what we were there to do. So we use the outdoors and the activities and, and that um, being pushed beyond yourself kind of dynamic in order to have disciple making conversations. So then the multiplication comes when I'm trying to train other people what I'm good at or what we were trying to do. So in mm -hmm. trying to help someone else be that guide in the wilderness that, um, leads somebody to the Lord, helps them have character formation and 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 become more Christ-like because mm. all of your humanity comes out when life happens, right? So we need to, you know, lean into that and and learn who Jesus is in us in those moments. So that's where the, the multiplication. So at this point, well, by the time I was 33, I trained about 4,000 people how to be disciple makers, but in mm. small groups at a time, right? 12, mm -hmm. 15 multiplying that out, training trainers, training leaders, um, training expedition leaders, and that sort of thing. Then I moved into denominational work. So I got recruited out of that into like organized religion <laughs> and started helping pastors right. and church multipliers and church planters and, and all of that. And it was just really interesting, the difference there. Um, mm. Some people who it's more intuitive to them to to actually come alongside somebody else and help them be changed by Jesus. And some people it's a little harder. So I think that just broadened my ability to speak to some of the barriers that we have in our um, thoughts about disciple making. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to explore that just a little bit further. So what, what other differences did you see between training those two groups? Well, unfortunately I found that the pastors prayed way less um, something oh, about wow. the ministry leaders, they felt like maybe, I think they felt like they should know what to do and they were maybe a little embarrassed or there's a lot of shame around not necessarily knowing how to disciple. Mm. Well, with the people who didn't expect that they should be able to do it very well, prayed a lot more because they were, they had less shame. I think they, they understood they needed help. I mean, we mm. all need help, but they Absolutely. were much more willing to embrace that. And um, so shame dynamics were a bit interesting. Ministry leaders deal with a lot more shame than normal people do when they're entering into ministry dynamics. So the normal people, ordinary people think they don't know enough, right? They think they need to learn more. Mm -hmm. And um, so they pray harder usually. It's yeah. kind of fascinating. And that, um, that was one of the major things that surprised me. So, yeah. Well, one more reason to say, Ordinary disciples have a leg up 
in making disciples to even the professionals and those who've been highly trained because they're going to pray more. They're more desperate to be used of God and they, they recognize how much they need him. I love that. It's so good. But um, yeah, the subtitle of your book is, let me read it here, How God Wires Us for the Adventure of Transformation. So tell us a little more about that. How are discipleship and transformation and mountaineering and adventures, how's that all neuroscience? Fascinating. Like, how does that connect together? What have you discovered? Well, what I... So going into full-time ministry and leading other people at the age of 22, I was one of those desperate people who prayed all the time. And I'm like, God, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. Like we're responsible for whether or not somebody lives or dies. Like that's a big deal. Um, and I started studying brain science again, like I said, because of that risk management thing. And um, as I'm learning about how God created us, I'm like, wow, well, maybe that's a better way to work. Maybe God actually knows what he's doing and he created <laughs> us in a way to help us be successful. You know, we talk a lot about all the, the problems that the brain has learning and relearning and, and changing. And I, I couldn't imagine that God set us up for failure in this whole mm. disciple making dynamic. So my question then, okay, God, I, I believe you're good. That's a huge journey to go on to actually get to the place you believe God is good. But when I got there, I started asking better questions. And I said, God, I believe you're good. How did you not set us up for failure in this whole like humans making disciples of other humans dynamic? And um, he he reminded me of some of the brain science that, that I had learned in studying. And there's actually a way that God created us to transform that's quite easy. There's a very hard way and then a, an almost an automatic way. Hmm. So the hard way is when we memorize, when we study, when we like shove it into our prefrontal lobe with the, the front part of our brain. And we just work really hard to remember. It doesn't work very well. Your brain isn't designed to do that. You're actually mm -hmm. designed to forget most of the things that you learn that way. Um, but the other type of memory that we have, way that we remember, is our story. And science calls this autobiographical memory, which is the mm -hmm. memory of your story, the memory mm -hmm. of your life. The, and it's connected with who you are, what we call your identity. And when we learn there, when we learn through story, when we learn through storytelling, when I hear your story or your testimony, it changes my story and my testimony based on how the brain works. Mm. So that's why ordinary people can make a disciple when they don't necessarily know everything. I mean, it's good to know something, but you don't have to be a school teacher or an expert. You can just share the story of what Jesus means to you and how Jesus has made a difference in your life. And by the way, the brain works, because if you tell me that my brain thinks about that in a way that changes my life automatically from the inside out, because the way that we think about the past is the way we think about the future. So that part of our brain is automatically asking the question, how does what I know today change my tomorrow? Mm. And, and it's easy. Like I said, we're created to just do that. Even a mediocre, even a not so amazing person can share what heaven has taught them. And by the way, God created our brains to transform. It will create transformation in another person. Wow. And I'm like, okay, wow, that sounds way easier. That sounds like a God who has set us up for success and wired us, created us so that we can learn from one another in a way that changes us. I'm like, okay, oh, let's do that. Let's I love do that. that. I love that. Everybody wants it to be easier and maybe we're just not necessarily doing it in a way that's easier. We're going at approaching disciple making um, in a way that doesn't partner with how God designed us. And um, I love what you're sharing is like such confirmation of what we've been doing for years in missions in Nepal and in India. And we've always just said, Jesus told a lot of stories. So if Jesus told so many stories, we want to be like Jesus. Let's tell stories. And we found it was so much more reproducible. It was so much more effective. And we did see so much transformation take place in people's lives. And anybody can learn to tell a story 
um, from scripture or to share their own story. So yeah, in fact, Jesse, you may not know it, but in Youth with a Mission, the mission that I'm associated with, we even have a whole discipleship training school, a DTS called God's Story DTS, and the entire school is stories learning stories, telling stories, going out and sharing those stories. And um, at first people thought, oh, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work as well as a lecture method. And we found the transformation was far greater, the reproducibility far greater. So totally excited about the confirmation that it's because a neuroscientist here has told me it works and uh, something that we already, in a way, we're practicing, so, so good. Well, I can't Wonderful. imagine that heaven is reserved only for the literate and the well-educated. You know, it's, <laughs> I mean, if children are called to make disciples, then there's got to be something that we're missing when we think about that, that makes it too hard. If, you know, a 13-year-old can't make a disciple, then I think we're, we have something wrong in our um, way we're thinking about that. So that's right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and, you know, you and I share a mutual desire. Um, it's so fun to meet you and hear about your love for ordinary people making disciples because that's been such a passion of mine. And in fact, I have a webinar called How to Have a Massive Kingdom Impact, even if you're not, if you're not rich, famous or um, it can't speak the language, you know, so, like anybody. You know, God wants to use us, and it's something that I love to talk about. But yeah, tell me, how did you, the brain science thing, but even practically um, from knowing people, what convinced you or convinces you that anybody who's a follower of Jesus can be a disciple maker? Well, one, I've seen it, right? I've seen people who, um, you know, we're smart in different ways. We have different gifts. We have different strengths and weaknesses. And I don't think that God regrets the way that he made us. I don't think that if you are, if you, you struggle to read or struggle to learn from reading, I don't think God regrets that he made you that way. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and I, I mean, my husband doesn't have great um, reading comprehension, but, or understanding what he reads, but he listens to like 10 books a month or something on, wow. on like his, his headphones. But I've just worked with so many people and I've seen, that they've experienced God in an amazing way. And I think that's a story worth sharing. Mm -hmm. I think they should be able to tell that because most people don't like studying. Most people don't like lecture. Most people don't like school. I like school. I love school. I thrive in school. <laughs> but most people don't. And when we make discipleship look like school, we're missing most people, right? Mm -hmm. And we're saying to most people, well, it's good that you are a receiver of the gospel, but we don't need your good news to share, right? And then I read scripture and Paul's like, he's he's writing um, and he's like, hey, you are a Corinthians. You are a letter from us to the world about good news. You are good news and, and your story, your life is a letter to the world. And I wanna read their letter. I mean, I want to know what God has taught them. I want to know the revelation that that they have from heaven because that's going to change my life. My mm. life is more rich and more full, and I have a better understanding of who Jesus is and and how God loves me by hearing somebody else's story, by reading the letter of their life. Mm. And I want to um, I want to encourage that. So I've seen that. I've seen that over and over and over again be true. And people like that, the ordinary person who lives an ordinary life that God shows up in, that heaven talks to, has greater impact in actually in other people's lives, is a greater messenger than necessary, than maybe somebody who has a lot more um, high words and high degrees and you know, I believe I want I want people in this world to know that Jesus loves them and meets them where they are and they don't have to be different in mm. order to come to the cross. And I think ordinary people are better carriers of that message than influencers or famous people or or things like that. So they have different gifts and that's fine. But I want all of the gifts and I want all of the aspects of God. Absolutely. It's beautiful to see that. Yeah. And we need everybody to be involved in disciple making. 
if we're going to reach this generation, if we're going to reach the unreached around the world, it's, you know, it's not, uh, for me anyway, it's not a possible, possible, it's optional thing for every disciple to be equipped and empowered to make disciples. It's absolutely critical or we're going to lose the race. You know, <laughs> we're, we're headed for a trajectory that is not good if we don't kind of change gears from only the professionals being the disciple makers to every ordinary disciple, understanding who they are, that identity piece. I love that you said that because I always love to start with identity. Who we are is so vital before we even learn the how-tos of disciple making. We've got to know who we are and that we can do this because we're designed to do it like you've been sharing. That's so good. Well, I know people love to hear stories of ordinary disciples who are making a difference. Do you have a story to share about someone in particular that maybe you've trained or helped to understand this? Yeah, wow. Um, I mean, if I pull out... Is that Okay, let's do one that's in the in the church that I go to right now. Um, I participate in. His name is Ron, and he chooses a life of homelessness. He uh, spends every Tuesday in one of the parks here in Denver, and he has a he, he has a service. He preaches every every Tuesday, regular clockwork. He is ministering to. Um, the people on the on the streets and the people who um, who are experiencing homelessness, and he he loves it. He gets so excited when whatever he shared on Tuesday then is also what we're talking about, like on Sunday or in our in our church service. And he's like, "Oh my gosh, look at what God's teaching me! Look at what God is asking me to share with people!" And he's so invested in the stories and the lives of that community. I mean, he's part of that community. He's not mm -hmm. just going to the community, like he's part of that community. They are his people that he mm -hmm. feels called to, to, to bring good news to. And he, you know, he just shares whatever God is teaching him. He doesn't, I mean, he's so sweet and so kind. I have no idea what his like educational background is, but he's always in the Bible. And he's always just sharing what heaven is teaching him right then. And I think that that's amazing, right? So I think our accountability isn't to having perfect theology or perfect understanding of God or the Bible or Jesus or any of that. I think we're accountable to just sharing what heaven has taught us, no more and no less. So if we share that thing like, like Ron does, and, and ministering. And he baptized a couple people um, within the last month. Um, so he has, he holds regular baptisms <laughs> for people who give their life to the Lord. And, you know, he, all he, it's that simple. And, and it reminds me, and his example reminds me that it is that simple. So whether that's your workplace, whether that's your family, whether that's your community and your town, I came from a very, 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 very small town in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming, like to witness or to, to live a life um, that reflects Jesus in a town of a thousand people, like people know you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I guess they would. <laughs> know you. And, and if Jesus is making a difference in your life, they're going to see that. Mm. And so you can just share what God is teaching you. And, and that's as, it just doesn't have to get harder than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful story about Ron. And I love that he's chosen to be in that community and stay in that community. Was he originally homeless or did he join the homeless community? No, he was, he was originally homeless. He um, came to the Lord. Uh, you know, there's pieces of his story that I don't know. Sure. Um, unfortunately, you know, but, but he, how would I say this? He comes, he comes every Sunday to the larger group and, and it took a little while for the traditional church people to like, not see him as a project, but sure. to change their mindset of, oh no, he's actually a missionary yes. out, of, out of us. And we learn from him and, um, you know, there, there are different reasons why people choose to stay without a house. Um, 
you don't have a mortgage. You don't have all of that. I mean, he loves sleeping out under the stars. That's one thing we do talk about is where does he sleep and how does he like sleeping out under the stars? And someone who did wilderness ministry and has spent thousands of nights out under the stars, like, I get that. I get that. So, you know, we talk about our love of the sky and an open sky more than we do other things. So yeah, he, he, the Lord, the Lord got him, cleaned him up, cleaned up his heart and his soul and everything. And he just didn't feel a need to change his living situation. So sure. I love that. And that's so missionary. I mean, we don't need to change people's community. We don't have to make them something else. Let them stay in their community and reach the people who are similar to them in culture. And I'm sure there's a whole culture in the homeless community. So that's beautiful. Yeah. When we were in India, we were one of our church planning teams started disciple making groups in the homeless community in the slums in India and on the streets and in the bus parks. And again, we saw people transformed and some of them stayed homeless. Some of them moved into, you know, housing as they got jobs and different things and were able to, but, um, that began to multiply. It was really beautiful to hear another story of how that's happening. And yeah, sometimes the most unlikely people are the ones who are actually the most effective disciple makers. And just a super quick story that I'm going to get back <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah. It's all about you, but we were training in Nepal in our early years and I was teaching on disciple making and the Great Commission and training this group of students and you know some of them looked really smart and they quickly answered questions and there was this guy who was there his name was Ezekiel and he was a little older than the other students and he had never been to school he taught himself how to read because he really wanted to read the bible and so he was self-taught how to read the bible and that was the only book he ever read but he was the least likely candidate you know to really implement what i was teaching and half the time i didn't know if he was understanding and you know but this guy he went to an unreached village and he led an entire village to the lord baptized like 60 people in one day and has been so used of god to start a movement in this really unreached area and the most fruitful for sure of any of those people that i trained you know so yeah god loves i think he delights in using you know well, scripture says that he loves to use the foolish to shame the wise and not to say that smart people can't be used of god too obviously <laughs> like like yourself and hopefully i'm in that category i don't know but um yeah it's so great that anybody who says i'm willing lord here i am i mean that's where i think that god doesn't regret how he made us right so i used to regret how god made me in and thinking that my intelligence um, hindered relationships. And, and when the Lord, I had been in ministry 10 years when the Lord told me to go to Harvard and I was like, I don't want to go to Harvard like that. I like he and I, we, we had some struggle over that. Um, (laughs) I didn't see myself that way. And I had judged that part of me as being a hindrance to relationships. And, and I think that we do, we all do that to some degree of some aspect of how we are but you are actually created to be good news to somebody. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of that identity journey of who, who am I, who am I a good fit for? Like my quirks, my personality, that's a fit for somebody that like God moving in that life, your life is, is an example and a testimony to somebody out there that God can move in their life and God can meet them where they are. And so when we try to be somebody different than who we are, where we we come out of, let's maybe think of that as mission drift, right? We're missing the assignment um, when we try to be something other than who God made us to be. So mm. I love ordinariness. I want to hear stories of Christian faithfulness, not Christian exceptionalism. I want to hear stories of somebody who it took everything they had to just like mentor one person <laughs> in their life in Jesus. And I think they're going to go to heaven. And apparently scripture says they get the same reward as anybody else. So I'm like, all right. Yeah. (laughs) has actually helped us be successful in this. He didn't ask us to do something that was impossible or really, 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 really hard. Mm. He asked us to do something that he has also equipped us to do. I'm like, oh, that's, that sounds, that sounds better to me. And that sounds like him. 
<laughs> doesn't it? Like you were saying, that's so God. Of course he would do that. So why do we doubt it? You know, and yet I think sometimes we doubt it because our experience hasn't matched that, you know, and so learning to do things differently that are more cooperative with how he designed us in our own identity, like you said, um, I love that. You know, I'm an introvert. I don't know if you're an introvert, an extrovert. I'm a total introvert. So it's like sharing Jesus with a stranger doesn't come super naturally to me, though I have trained thousands like you to do that. And I do it. I do it myself. But can I say it's extremely natural? No, it's something that I've grown in, learned how to do. But I always have to stretch myself a little bit to engage with somebody um, in a new way. But then there's there's people that I can talk to and reach in a one-on-one -on -one conversation that's so much easier. I hate conferences, you know? <laughs> so it's like, okay, I've had to accept who I am in that. And, um, you know, I, I love podcasting because in this way, it's like a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So how do we be ourselves and do the things that that really fit who we are and cooperate with God in that. That's beautiful. Love that. Yeah. Well, you train a lot of church leaders and pastors and um, in the V3 movement, you're connected with that as well. And so, yeah, what concerns you as you look at the Western church in particular or the church globally even? What concerns you and what makes you hopeful? Well, what makes me hopeful is I, I see God moving. I see God moving in a way that I don't think we've seen for at least a few decades, um, maybe longer. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I believe we're at um, a different age of the church. So in 2018, I felt something move in the spiritual. Uh, and I reached out to some of my friends around the globe to see if they felt it too. And, and then I was like, okay, well, we got to talk about this because this is a, something really big changed. And I had no words for it. Um, so we had a meeting in Long Beach and there were people from different continents coming in and, and, and I just wanted to, I just wanted to check, right? Because a good prophetic sense always double checks, triple checks that with, yeah. with others. And um, what one one person articulated well was that the the missionary age had changed, that we weren't, that it was no longer to the unreached people groups, um, although there are plenty of underreached people groups. Um, and that was affirmed by someone who was part of the board of Finish the Task and said that, mm -hmm. that it'll, the week beforehand, the last language groups had been adopted and put in the, the schedule, the, the project to um, have a translation of scripture. Yeah. And they were mostly deaf communities, um, deaf languages. And so, okay, so if the uh, missionary ages changed than where we are now. And, and what somebody else said is they believe that God was coming for his church, that now the missionary age is to, um, is to the bride, is for the bride. And I was like, what, I don't, what, what does even this, does this mean? And what the Lord told me, and we had, he and I had a series of conversations about it, is he said that he was doing it. He want, he said, he's doing it. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to tell people you're doing it, you're going to have to be more specific because I'm not going to quote you <laughs> unless I'm sure. And that's, and that's just what he said is I'm doing it. And the sense I got was that he was moving us out of Egypt into um, a space before we go to the promised land. I don't know what all that means, right? I don't want to overinterpret. I think that's dangerous. So I was like, okay, so God is moving us out of Egypt in this religious structure, and he's going to take, I mean, for me, it was Hosea 2.14. He's going to take us into the wilderness and allure us, and he's going to teach us how to no longer call me uh, my master, but call me my husband, and and that there's there's a space and a time of, of intimacy and depth with God coming for his bride. And so that's what I started teaching in 2019, and I was like, okay, you guys, we're in the wilderness. God's doing it. And then 2020 hit and I was like, oh, we were not in the wilderness. <laughs> we now just, we're in the wilderness. <laughs> now we've crossed the Red Sea. Now mm. we can't go back. Now mm. we're in the wilderness. Okay. So I, I believe that God has a destination for us. He is drawing us to something. I believe that the Holy Spirit is leading that and it looks different 
So the thing that worries me is what do we do when we're sitting at the base of Mount Sinai and we don't have marching orders yet? What do we do when we don't know what this new wineskin looks like? Are we going to be like the children of Israel at the base of Mount Sinai where we create a God that we know and we're familiar with and we're sh- and do it on our own terms because we can't be patient enough to wait? Yeah. Or are we going to be like the disciples in the upper room and we can wait on the Lord until the next thing happens or, or he at least reveals that. So, so my worry is that in this, in this moment, since, okay, new wine skin, but what's the new wine or Hey, church, church, ecclesia stuff looks different. What is that? Are we going to be patient enough to let the Holy spirit lead and guide and help us discover that because it's a slow journey out. It's not like, okay, here's like the textbook, here's the map, here's something mm-hmm. whole and complete that now you can execute with your five bullet points and your silver bullets. And here's the new model. It's not going to be like that. Holy Spirit's going to take us on a journey. Um, Cause that's what Holy Spirit does. So what, who are we going to be in the waiting and what are we going to choose? Mm-hmm. So lots of hope, some concern, <laughs> but yeah, I trust the Holy Spirit a lot, a lot, a lot. Holy Spirit's really good at their job. And I don't know. I think I think I can be a little more patient. Maybe I'll be in step. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I love that. And so important that that metaphor and picture of us coming out of Egypt and obviously the Lord's giving that to you. And um, with COVID and all that happened, my husband and I were actually stuck in the U.S. for 11 months, couldn't get back to Thailand during COVID. But during that season, God opened up this huge online platform and a course. We had like 3,000 people do our disciple-making course, all of these things that opened up. And what I've seen like with the whole pandemic and coming out of that is there's such a temptation to go back to Egypt. To <laughs> We tasted something different. We had to taste it because that was the only water that was there to drink, so to speak, you know, but yeah. there's, there's this desire to return to what we knew rather than continue to journey with God and what he's saying, what he's releasing. But so, yeah, there's a lot of hope. And I think, I think COVID created, you know, um, it was a terrible pandemic and you know, an awful tragedy, but God used it to create so many new opportunities for us to explore as to what the church looks like. And um, yeah, wonderful. Well, tell us, our time has gone super fast. We're getting towards the end here. I can't believe it. But um, yeah, what what would you say are the main reasons why ordinary disciples or even pastors and leaders are hesitant in the area of disciple making or struggle? I mean. I know those I train, a lot of people struggle. They they find it so hard. Some of it, as you already talked about, they maybe are work going at it the wrong direction, but maybe you want to say a bit more about that. Yeah. You know, one thing that I, when I'm teaching somebody to be a disciple maker is I want to help them teach them and help them discover the way that they do it, not the way that I do it, because I'm going to do it out of my strengths and weaknesses and my fivefold ministry dynamic and how many people I'm comfortable with. So I want to help teach them to do the way they would do it. So there's a little bit of um, skill transfer there or a little bit of mentoring there that I think sometimes people aren't equipped. They're equipped in the way that they're somebody else did it. And and I only know how I do it. So I'm just going to teach you that. Right. So 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 that can be a struggle, especially as we're working through multiple generations of disciple making. We have to teach each one to do it their way. Um, but then the other thing is that I think in the mind of the person, when they hear, oh, I'm called to make a disciple, like there's a hundred things that come up against that in their head, right? I, I don't know enough. I'm not spiritually mature enough. Sometimes I struggle with God. And I think most of us feel insecure that we can't answer hard questions, mm-hmm. that, that the person we're going to disciple is going to ask us things that we don't know the answer to whether that's theology or the Bible, or just like, why does God let bad things happen to good people? You know, who hasn't answered that question? Nobody has an answer to that question, but we all think maybe I need those in order to 
um, disciple somebody else. And so there's a hundred questions that we don't have an answer to, but we've, we get nervous there, right? We get insecure, um, that, that they're going to ask that we won't have the answer. And then they're not going to think that we have anything to share or they have anything to learn from us. So what I usually do is just encourage people that no one has any answers. <laughs> we all are just kind of speculating, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to actually be the keeper of truth. Jesus is the truth. Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. You don't have to take that responsibility on. So instead of knowing the answers, what I try to teach people is how to hear the Holy Spirit. Because if we can hear the Holy Spirit, then anyone can make a disciple. I don't care if you're literate. I don't care if the Bible's in your language or not. Holy Spirit is amazing. And so that's the skill set that I try to teach people um, instead of necessarily, you know, how to give a good lecture or how to preach a sermon. So if we can hear the Holy Spirit, it, Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth and, and it'll be okay. Yeah, that's so important. And what I've seen as we've been discipling people and starting groups of disciples, groups of seekers, is it's incredible how the Holy Spirit will speak if we just get out of the way. He loves to speak to seekers. He loves to speak to us. He'll speak to the illiterate. He'll speak to the neuroscientist. He'll speak to all of us. He loves to speak to his people if we'll just kind of get out of the way and sometimes shut up, you know, <laughs> stop talking and let him speak because he, he wants to, he delights in that. And it's, it's something he's, he's really good at. Yeah. Um, so I think part of that is kind of unlearning um, so that we make space to hear what he wants to say, but that's so good. I do have a question though, a follow-up question. You said, teach people to do it their own way. One of the things that we've often done in disciple making movements is really focus on reproducibility. And one of the things we've seen is um, having a simple format mm -hmm. is really, really important for reproducibility because people become familiar with something and they're, they're able to do something that's kind of done the same way again and again. And sometimes variety can confuse or mm -hmm. even hinder people from being active. Um, I know that from coming back to the US and sometimes I go into Cub Foods when I first get back and it's like, oh my goodness, there's 3000 kinds of cereal in the aisle. I don't know what to do and I just walk around, turn around and leave, you know, I'm not buying anything. So right. options can be difficult. So yeah, would you just comment on how that relates to what you shared? Yeah, so, so I also like a simple framework of, um, I like uh, discover, discovery Bible study. I like some of the things that um, Alpha does. Like if it's simple enough that a teenager can execute it, then you know that you've got it right. But I mean, then how do they do it their way, right? Mm -hmm. so, so maybe there's a framework of we're going to read a passage of scripture. We're going to talk about what it means, um, what we learn about and see about God in that. What does it teach me about who I am? Who am I going to share this? Like, like those, you know, some of those questions, that is a great way of uh, having that simple repeatable structure. But then how do you do that is going to be different than how I do it. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting to me is that if we don't help people see the difference there, they're going to think, well, it's the way that Jess prays that makes a difference, or it's how she gives an illustration from biblical history as well as like defines the words, that's what's going to make a difference. Like mm. that's what I mean by doing it their way. What does it look like for them to execute a very simple framework or plan with their personality? Mm. And then some of that's like introvert and extrovert. Okay. So mm. is that with one person and we're going to do it really methodically or am I just like, you know, speaking off the cuff to a large group because I've got a story to share? Like, those are also very, very different ways that we go about it. So um, that's what I, I like those super simple reproducible ones that don't replace our personality, but mm -hmm. actually then what does it mean for us to walk that out or do that with, with our personality, with your fivefold gifting? We're going to find different things in scripture. We're going to see different things in scripture. They're going to mean different things to us. So 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's great. I'm glad, I'm glad we could, we could clarify. So the way that you would lead five questions is different than the way I would lead five questions. Right. And yes, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. So reproducible frameworks are really helpful, but in those learning to be yourself and let your own unique gifting and personality come out in that. And it, it's going to look different for everybody who leads and um, even within, you know, say a discovery Bible study or a simple church model that we're using, when different people lead in the group, it looks different. You know, one person likes to act out the story, you know, and they think that's lots of fun. Other people are like, there's no way they would want to act out the story or lead in that, you know, so different personalities that are coming out and really beautiful. So yeah, well, tell us, Jesse, how can people get a hold of this great book, Ordinary Discipleship, and how do they get in touch with you if they want to learn more from you and, yeah. and your trainings? So you can get the book on Amazon or most booksellers. So Ordinary Discipleship by Jesse Cruikshank. Um, and then I have a ministry called Whoology, which is W-H-O-O-L-O-G-Y dot co that's the website w-h-o-o-l-o-g-y dot co and the question is who right who are you making a disciple who's discipling you um and in there we've i've got an online class that you can take with videos it's designed for churches and small groups um it's like the digital workbook to go with the book um okay. there's practices in there how to hear from god how to try to like know the difference between your voice and God's voice, how to articulate a story or a revelation. So there's practices in some of those very pragmatic things because <laughs> it doesn't make a difference tomorrow. What are we doing here today? Um, and um, I, so I also do training in like communities. So how we disciple make together when we do that as a community, there's some differences and some mm -hmm. things that we need to talk about there. How we handle sin as a community is a, is an important one. Um, so you can find some of the different things that I train on and teach on there. I also, I love, I love YWAM. I am on the board of all nations and, okay. um, just, uh, so I'm all about just helping catalyze discipleship across the planet. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of my heart and you can, you can find me out there on social media and your brain by Jess is my okay. social media handle. Your brain by Jess. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Jesse, so good to get this chance to get acquainted with you. And yeah, I feel like we should have met years ago, but I'm glad we met now. And um, yeah, looking forward to seeing how God continues to use you and um, multiply disciples through those that you train and encourage and through this book. Yeah, Thanks so much for being with us. Oh, it's been a pleasure to talk with you and just I'm just praying for everyone who's listening here. I'm I'm not saying that flippantly. I really do, because there is so much that the Western church needs to learn from all of you out there. So I want you to be amazing and tell your stories and help us do better back here. Yeah, well, thank you again. And, you know, since you said you're praying, why don't you just say a quick prayer over those who are listening right now, if you do sure. that. Hmm. Well, Papa, I thank you for every piece of your heart and your face, your Imago Day that resides in each person that uh, has been listening to this. Lord, I bless it. I plead the blood of Jesus over it. I pray that uh, you strengthen them to know how deep and amazing your love is, as Paul prayed over the Ephesians, Lord, that they would know the incredible calling that you've placed on their life, not incredible because it's extraordinarily extraordinary and big, but incredible because it's something that's a good newsletter to at least one other life. Lord, that you love that person so much that you would send someone to them. Lord, so I just, I just pray over whatever they are dealing with in their life today, Lord, will the Holy Spirit be made manifest in their presence? Will they know the glorious riches of heaven that, that are there to resource them, to be there, be accessible? And Lord, above all, would they know how much you love them? And would they share and be a beacon of that love to the rest of this world? Lord, I just bless them. I bless the work of their hands, their minds, their hearts, their souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much. Yeah, God bless. God bless.
Imagine a world where passionate followers of Jesus come together to multiply, transforming lives beyond imagination. Instead of toiling with little fruit, what if God's abundance flowed beyond your wildest dreams? Picture those you've invested in sharing Jesus freely, creating a ripple effect of disciple-making. In her new book, The Multiplier's Mindset, Cynthia Anderson reveals how shifting mindsets can revolutionize disciple-making. When Cynthia and her colleagues experienced these mindset shifts, they saw enormous results including the launching of 19 multiplying movements in Africa and Asia, transforming tens of thousands of lives. This book will help you discover hidden harvesters, see church members move from passivity to passion, and release the power of simplicity in multiplying disciples. Don't remain stuck. Learn to move toward greater fruitfulness. Visit MultipliersMindset.com and get your copy of The Multipliers Mindset today. What an encouraging talk Jesse gave us about how God loves to use ordinary people and even ordinary people are often even better messengers and disciple makers than those who are highly trained. What an encouraging time. Some of my takeaways were God is good. And if we know that he's good, we know that he's designed us to do what he's commanded us to do in making disciples. I learned that we shouldn't just try harder. It doesn't actually work when we try hard to make disciples and get ourselves to do it. But instead, we need to do things differently and start with identity and then the power of stories in actually helping people to be transformed on their journey. Sharing our story is, is something anyone can do. Learning how to share the story of God's work in your life with those in your circle. And Jesse talked about that. I hope you were encouraged and inspired to share what God's given you and that he can use you. I loved how she said we don't need to have answers. We just need the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, and he is there for us. We need to learn how to hear his voice and rely on him so that we can make disciples. And then she had great hopefulness that this sense that God is doing something new. He's bringing us into an age of greater intimacy and depth with him. And he's leading us out of the wilderness slowly into a new way of doing church. We want to cooperate with what he's doing in the age that we are in today of the church. Wonderful interview. It was so great to learn from her. And here's your action step. I always have an action step for you. I want you to take a moment as you finish listening to this today to just pause and thank God for designing you the way he did. And you're unique. You're different from other people. And just thank him that he made you how he made you. And he made you already hardwired you to make disciples. So just take a few moments as your action step after this to, to thank him, to praise him for designing you uniquely. And, and thank him that he is going to show you how to use your unique personality, your unique gifts to multiply disciples in your context. God bless you guys, and we'll see you in the next show. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com slash blog on social media, and please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember, God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.